It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. On your Wednesday episode of Locked on Raptors on yesterday's show, I dug into why I think the Raptors should be looking at extending Pascal Siakam instead of trading him. And today we dig into what the path for the Raptors could look like if in fact they do go ahead and give the Siakam-Scotty Barnes pairing a shot to flourish going forward. We'll get into that plus so much more on a Wednesday episode. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that cabbage out of here. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, July the 12th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors, and of course, you can join the Lockdown Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description. We got a whole host of new folks in there yesterday. Got about 150 people just hanging out, talking Raptors. It's a friendly environment. When there's disagreement, it's pleasant disagreement. It's kind of this weird basketball talk utopia on the internet. Come hang out. Link is in the description as always would love to see you jump on in there and entertain my very very silly fake trades that i drop in there all the time stuff that i'm not even brave enough to put on the podcast come on and jump on in uh also please subscribe follow rate review all that good stuff it's always appreciated when you support the show and when you make us your first listen of the day thank you so much for doing that shouts to our everydayers tuning in as well if you're an everyday listener of the show let us know in the comments so we know and can put you on a watch list and get you some help uh but uh thank 
thank you uh, for being here. And uh, let's dive in, shall we? We got a lot to get to today. Coming up later, uh, we're going to dig into some of my ideal guard targets for the Raptors, whether or not Pascal Siakam is on the team or not. The Raptors don't have enough guard play right now. I think we can all probably agree with that. And so we're going to dig into some of my ideal targets for the Raptors and uh, you know why I think the Raptors should be doing everything they can to get just some more guard play on this roster. We're also going to close out the show as our pal Doug Branson from Locked On Hornets is going to stop by. He was a little Jalen McDaniels 101, a pretty interesting player, I think. Think, and sort of tangentially tied to what a lot of the Raptors offseason decision making as well with him coming in the door and creating a bit of a glut at the position where the Raptors have the most glut probably in the entire NBA. So we'll get to that. But let's start with sort of a piggyback on yesterday's conversation. If you listen to yesterday's show, which everydayers did, and we love you, if you haven't yet, go check it out. I dug into the reasons why I think the Raptors should be looking at extending Pascal Siakam instead of trading him right now. You know, the, the laundry list of reasons, you know, the Coles notes of it, uh, the Hawks and Pacers as the two reported teams don't exactly have prime offers to put on the table and might not be incentivized to go fully in on a Pascal offer because of the one year left on his contract and all that hangs, you know, sort of unanswered there. There's, of course, uh, the fact that Pascal Siakam's very good and wants to be in Toronto, and you should probably Probably not take that lightly when you have a in their prime all NBA player on the roster. Just because he's not the number one on a championship team doesn't mean you have to go jettison him off and wait for the next guy to come along. Having Pascal Siakam is good for your basketball team. Kind of full stop. Uh, you know, there's plenty of reasons for it. Also, if you were to trade him now, you're not going to get nearly as much value as you might if you say revisit it two, three years down the road with him on a new contract, a contract that will probably age quite well as the salary cap raises uh, 10% year over year in the coming years here. So that's the the spiel as to why Pascal should probably be extended, at least in my mind, and why I think if the Raptors trade him right now for something less than a stellar package, it will go down as a massive or organizational failure. With that, I feel like I should probably lay out a little bit more of my plan in my mind's eye over what I think the Raptors could or should do if in fact they do just extend Pascal and keep him around. The thing is, is next year is going to be rough, I think, no matter what happens. Losing Fred Van Vliet was tough, and not replacing him with the requisite three-point shooting. I know he shot 34% last year. Don't have to tell me, but his pull-up shooting was still a real threat. He was effective on pull-ups, his volume's incredible, and he is treated as a real shooter by opposing teams. Thus, the Raptors lost shooting. Uh, they replaced him with Dennis Schroeder, someone who does not shoot uh, at high volume or accuracy. And there's just not a lot in terms of guys who can both dribble and shoot on this roster. There's nothing right now in terms of guys who have both of those qualities. And so the Raptors are in this weird sort of space where their roster for next year might honestly be too misshapen for them to be seriously competitive, which is a shame. That said, I think there's a pathway here where you keep Pascal and Scotty together, a duo who have like actually had tangible success playing with one another off of one another their strengths yes they have some overlap in terms of the things they do well but they also have strengths that do not overlap and I think can blend together quite nicely as sort of the dueling heads of the snake as it were and we saw it work in 21-22 which by the way later this week Jamar Hines and I I think we're going to go back and look at that back part of 21-22 with Scotty and Pascal driving the bus and sort of see is there anything there that's real anything that wasn't real was it all fool's gold we'll revisit that coming up later this week Week. But when it comes to the next steps, if they do extend Pascal and give this Scotty Pascal thing a chance to work, 
think you have to sort of work with a multi-year sort of time frame in mind of reshaping the roster and reimagining it in a way that it makes sense around those two guys you know those guys could help things along if there's you know shooting increases from either of them i think pascal stands a pretty good chance of kind of rediscovering his earlier career form as like a corner shooter um playing off of scotty a little bit more i'm pretty bullish on that he's had good numbers from the corners etc etc um you know that that but still even with their their you know shooting upticks you're gonna have to have rosters that make sense around two guys with such particular skill sets it's just life in the nba all players have their own sort of particularities when it comes to which players they're going to play best with and so i think if you keep pascal the work begins on reshaping the roster and that is where my eyes sort of begin to turn towards og and anobi and look in a perfect world I don't think the Raptors should trade OG Ananobi. I think OG Ananobi is an excellent fit next to Scotty Barnes, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. OG Ananobi is the type of one-of-one defender who you trade and then spend 20 years thinking, man, it would have been nice if we didn't trade that guy. Like, there's 100%, like, that. that's absolutely on the table as an outcome here if you trade OG. That said... If you look at it just on its face, between Pascal, OG, Scotty, if the sort of common sense is that you have to pick two of those guys to roll forward with, why isn't it Scotty and Pascal? Like, Pascal's the best player of the bunch by a mile right now. Like, it's not even close. He's the best player. He's 29. Yes, that's a little longer in the tooth than the other two guys, but I'm honestly not all that compelled by the Scotty Siakam are not on the same timeline thing. Because if you lock in Pascal Siakam for the next five years... At some point, their timelines will overlap pretty nicely. They will be at something close to their peak. I don't see Pascal having some precipitous drop-off in the way he plays over the next life of this contract. And to me, if you can make those two work together, that's just a talent-wise thing. That's the best thing you can do as far as choosing two of these three wing types who kind of overlap with one another. OG, obviously, is a better defender than either Barnes or Scott or Pascal. He's a better shooter than both of them as well. He's a seamless fit in basically any team. But are you going to keep him? Like, is it is it possible he's a flight risk in a year? You know, if he doesn't get the role that he's reported to want, which, you know, I, I think my mileage varies on how much that concerns me, honestly. I just think, you know, playing within a real team with actual role definition and a hierarchy and some offensive sets... OG is going to get his looks next year. OG is going to get his money no matter what. I, I think, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of sort of, you know, does OG want to be Jeremy Grant and all this stuff? Maybe, maybe that's what he wants. But, you know, you have to kind of bake all of it in. And are you worried that OG is going to leave in a year? And having just lost Fred Van Vliet in free agency, I think you got to be even more worried about it than you typically would be, even though the Raptors have a history of keeping their own guys more often than not over the last 10 years. It's certainly a thing you got to worry about. And so if you can lock in Siakam for an extension this summer and just say, you're on our team, dude, we're rolling with you. We're going to build this thing around you then I do think it becomes maybe prudent to look at OG as the vehicle by which you begin reassembling the roster around Scotty and Pascal in a way that makes sense. And you don't do it just for anything. I think you have to do it for a trade that's sort of like a team doing a consolidation trade of good players to get OG on their team as like the final finishing piece where you get real players back. I don't, I'm not really particularly interested in like a boatload of picks, honestly, as I'm trying to build this roster in a way that makes sense to facilitate Scotty's development and to best accentuate all that Pascal Siakam does well. I pitched a trade yesterday on Twitter, 
And I think it's a good one because most Raptors fans hated it, and every Knicks fan I showed it to hated it as well, which tells me it's a pretty good fake trade. And it's not saying that this has to be the exact trade or anything like that, but is this sort of the sort of blueprint of what an OG trade could look like to better set up the Scotty Pascal, or yeah, Scotty Pascal duo for the long term? The idea I had is OG and Thad Young to the Knicks. For Evan Fournier, it's contract matching. It's not anything. He's, he's got a team option after next year. He's a $19 million expiring. But the two pieces coming back would be Emmanuel Quickly and Quentin Grimes. And I know it's like, oh my God, OG, there's no picks involved. And Quickly and Grimes, they're unproven. Well, like, they're good players. I'm sorry to say. If you haven't watched the Knicks lately, Quentin Grimes is the type of player who's going to be on championship teams for the next 10 years. The dude is just like an incredible wing defender who shoots 38, 39% from three. He shot 64% on twos last year. Quentin Grimes rocks. If you can get Quentin Grimes on your team, you should try to do that. And Emmanuel quickly uh, does a notable thing, which is dribble and shoot. Uh, he is would be the instantly best guard on the Raptors. He would be their starting point guard and I think would be an like an incredible fit next to Scotty Barnes as someone who can play either on or off the ball. Sort of think what the dream was with like Kobe Bufkin, for example, as I outlined why he would be a great fit next to uh, Scotty Barnes. I think a very similar idea with Emmanuel Quickly, who you know can have the ball in his hands, can work off the ball and shoot 37% as he has throughout his career so far. I, I think there's a lot there. And Quickly in a starting role at just 23, I feel like there's a jump to be taken there for Quickly as well um you know the knicks their mileage may vary on this one they love quentin grimes og might be a bit of a clunky fit next to rj barrett all this stuff but that's the type of trade that might be the next step if siakam is to be resigned and frankly it's just like a talent management thing i think scotty plus pascal plus whatever you can get for og is probably better talent wise than scotty plus og plus whatever you get for pascal at this diminished value that he has because he's got just one year left on his deal and so I kind of think maybe that's the way to go. As much as I think trading OG comes with all sorts of risk and pain, you have to factor in the one year left on his deal as well and the potential flight risk of him. If you can lock in Siakam for five years, you say goodbye to that flight risk and you know that he's going to be there and you can let this Siakam-Barnes thing grow and germinate into something over the next few years as Scotty kind of moves into his early prime. That's the soapbox for today. We're going to come back on the other side, get into some ideal guard targets. I want to talk a little bit more about Emmanuel quickly, who I think, uh, man, would he be a perfect addition to this team? And someone that I think, even if it's not an OG trade, I think the Raptors should be calling the Knicks up to ask about because I'm not sure where quickly is getting his money from the Knicks right now, either in a pretty loaded backcourt. We'll get to that and some other names. I would assume move Cole Anthony in just one moment. Before we do that, however... Got to tell you about our good friends over at Bird Dogs who make the most comfortable shorts in the game. I don't know how else to say it. They are unbelievably comfortable and they look fantastic. And for me, you guys know if you're a listener to the show, I'm a hot boy. I really don't do well in the heat. I wear shorts basically from April through September, sometimes into October, because heat just does not agree with me whatsoever. And bird dogs are great because they're breathable, they're light, and they're futuristic because they have a built-in comfort lining that replaces the need for underwear. Who wants to be wearing an extra layer of stuff in the summertime? The comfort layer is underwear in the future, baby. So go check them out. Bird dogs, you're not going to want to take them off. They're super comfortable. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedInNBA or enter the promo code Locked in NBA for a free Yeti style tumbler. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA or the promo code locked in NBA for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Go check them out. 
Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, let's continue on here. Your first listen of the day. Thank you so much for tuning in, and thanks to everyone who's been supporting the show of late. It's been a nice little run. Lots of new YouTube subscribers. Lots of dear pals jumping into Discord. It's been lovely to uh, to chat with y'all and all that good stuff. So thank you for supporting. Um, and we'll be back again uh, with more stuff as the week goes on. But again, if you haven't listened yet, go listen to my show yesterday, where we dug into the Pascal Siakam of it all, and uh, why I think trading him would just be so bad at this point. <laughs> just. It makes sense. There's a re- there's a reason. There's reasoning behind it. It's just reasoning that is sensible because of a lot of mistakes that have led us to this point. Anyway, let's get into guard target, shall we? Uh, I've been kind of promising this one for a few days, and I, I just I keep coming back to. You. Let's just like live in the reality where Pascal Siakam's on the team right now. How about that? Like we don't know a trade's going to happen. Maybe it does. It changes the context of everything. But I do think there's a pretty inarguable thing about this Raptors team, and it is that they do not have enough guard play right now at all guards are important getting into the teeth of the defense and quickness and penetration and shooting and ball handling and playmaking all historically very important skills to have in a basketball team it's kind of like what we talked about last year when the raptors had no center a hundred years of basketball being played tells us that having people who can do the things that centers do is important for success on a basketball court the exact same applies except maybe even more so when it comes to players who can dribble and shoot at the same time the raptors don't have that right now i I know they're going to funnel a lot into scotty barnes and ask him to create a bunch i shared my sort of uh, you know reservations about that because i think scotty barnes while really talented and absolutely with superstar potential if all things break right his 90th and up percentile outcome is oh god this guy's a real problem who's like changing the championship picture that's a lot there's a lot of ground between there and where he is right now and shooting is just like a massive obstacle to him getting there he doesn't shoot right now I don't expect him to walk into next season as a 36% three-point shooter. If he does, incredible, amazing, but you can't plan for the best case scenario. You have to plan for the realistic one. And the realistic one is that if Scotty Barnes's three-point shooting, his pull-up game ever comes along, it's going to take multiple years of refinement for that to really kind of hit its peak. And I'm not expecting it for year three. So with that, there's a limitation on how much you can actually run with Scotty as your main point, you know, point of attack creator, right? He's not going to force teams to fight over screens. Teams are going to go under on him. They're going to pack the paint. It's going to be cramped. It's going to be nasty. It's going to be clog ball. And you have to have more just dynamism built into your offense through guards who can dribble and shoot at the same time more often than not. And so 
I got a bit of a list of guys who I think the Raptors should be going after. Whether or not Siakam's on the team or not, yes, maybe a Siakam deal helps address the guard problem, but I don't think you can have too many guards. And right now they have exactly one point guard, and it is Dennis Schroeder, who does not shoot threes and can't finish at the rim. Finished worse at the rim last year than Fred Van Vliet. People forget that. Uh, (laughs) And so the guys I have kind of listed, I mentioned Emmanuel quickly. God, I really like Emmanuel quickly. And, And look... Maybe your mileage varies. That, that's totally fine. I know the Knicks necessarily aren't like the highest on quickly. Um, just from what I've, you know, speaking to our pals at Locked On Knicks, etc. I think a lot of Knicks fans are high on him. I don't know if the franchise necessarily values him in the same way. But last year, man, really good player. 15 points a game, four boards, 3.4 assists, shot 37% on threes, shot 52% on twos. And he just, he's got a lot of pop to his game. He, he's an excellent on-ball defender as well, which would be a really nice thing to have, um, especially if, you know, in theory, you're trading him for an OG Ananobi type package, uh, you know, replacing one wing defender with another, obviously very different positions. No one's as good at defense as OG, but quickly brings a lot of point of attack credibility in a defense. You actually run out like two point guards of quickly and Schroeder as your main point of attack guys on defense. That's a pretty good starting point for your perimeter D. Um, I just think, I know the playoffs weren't very friendly to quickly. He's also 23 years old and it's a tiny sample. I don't know how much you can really put stock into that. And I just think there's a lot of pop there, a lot of upside. And I think if you can go get Emmanuel quickly right now, I'd do it. He is probably to me, the only guard out there right now who I'd feel comfortable parting with future draft capital to go and get. Uh, but like at some point, it's worth spending future draft capital to get players to pair with Scotty Barnes. And again, I think the pairing of quickly with Scotty Barnes, quickly with Pascal Siakam, will be pretty awesome. And even if you have OG Ananobi on the team, your lineups make a lot more sense if quickly OG is your starting backcourt because they both can shoot and quickly can run, pick, and roll, can actually accentuate the the best things about Jakob Pertl as well. That's kind of a slept-on thing here. We talk a lot about the pairing with uh, Scotty Barnes, but like whoever the Raptors have at guard, it's going to be paramount that they can establish pick-and-roll chemistry with Jakob Pertl. And if you can't do that, or if you don't have the skills in your toolbox to weaponize a, a pick-and-roll big like Jakob Pertl, then that's not going to get you a lot for your money on Jakob Pertl either. So there's importance to this. I would be totally fine shipping out a 2026 first rounder or whatever for uh, an Emmanuel quickly. There would have to be some sort of fiddling with the protections on the Spurs pick that's going out, I'm sure. Um, But if you have quickly on the team, I I think not only does he bring a little bit of youth, a little bit of pop, a little bit of zip, a little bit of defense, but also I think there's a real case to be made that within a year or two, he could actually be just considered as a better overall player than Fred Van Vliet. And I'm a Fred Van Vliet guy, but quickly brings a lot to the table and is just 23 years old. He is like far and away my number one guard target for the Raptors right now. We have a little bit of a, <laughs> a group in the Raptors, Lockdown Raptors Discord called IQAnon, where we're very much in on Emmanuel quickly as a target for the Raptors. Come join us, will you? Um, going from there, I think the options get a little bit less sexy. You know, there's the magic dudes who everyone is seemingly fawning over. Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Markel Fultz. You know, obviously they bring in Anthony Black. They don't have a ton of shooting on that roster. Maybe there's a way to sort of, uh, you know, kind of clear out some space for one of their guards by picking up one of them. I think Cole Anthony's my favorite of that bunch. He just feels like he has the most offensive pop to him. 
Suggs, I, I just I haven't seen it. And as much as I think he's going to be a very good defensive guard, I don't know if the offensive game is really there for me. That the pull up doesn't seem like it's anywhere remotely close. He's not been terribly efficient. I, I'm just I'm not really seeing it with Suggs. By the way, good pick Raptors to not taking Jalen Suggs instead of Scotty Barnes. Um, when Mar- Markel Fultz, like. There's a lot to like. Very good defender. Has improved markedly as like a two-point scorer. Three-point shooting-wise, shot 31% last year. It was fine. I I still, it's always in the back of my head that Markel Fultz once forgot how to shoot for like three years, and that's tough to overcome. Um, But I do think those Magic guys, one of them would be like a nice pickup. I think I'd rank them Anthony Fultz-Suggs probably. Um, And part of it is I don't think Fultz is terribly realistic. I think the Magic really value him, and so I, I don't think you're actually really getting into the conversation for him without giving up future draft capital. And I'd rather devote that draft capital to a quickly type than a Markel Fultz because of the shooting issues. Beyond that, you get Ayo Desunmu, who I think is kind of the next guy down. And frankly, beyond that, it's pretty grim as far as options for the Raptors at guard. Um, but we've heard that they've had some interest in Ayo. He has not yet signed with the Chicago Bulls. He's an RFA. Is there an offer sheet you can throw his way? make a sign and trade and maybe send like a precious Achua back the other way. I know I mentioned that one yesterday or earlier this week, but I think that's actually pretty sensible. It clears out some of the glut of the same type forwards. Yes, it, there's the risk of precious becoming awesome and you you know you're worrying that you have given him away before he's really kind of figured things out, but also maybe he never figures things out on offense and you're happy you got yourself Ayo Desumu, who's like a nasty on-ball defender, had a really excellent rookie season for the Bulls, maybe a bit overextended last year, went from 37% as a rookie from three down to 32% last year. That's not great, but he's also 22, 23, very young. And I think I'd be, again, not thrilled if Ayo Desunmu is like the guard that the Raptors are starting games with next year, but I also think I'd be happier with that than I would be with Dennis Schroeder because of the upside, because there's actually some history of three-point shooting there, um, and because of the defense he brings. Like, I I think I'd be pretty all right with Ayo, but after that, it gets pretty grim, and I'm running out of, like, really good ideas for the Raptors to go try to address their guard issues. Just go get Emmanuel quickly, baby, and it's all easy. And yeah, I, I think as far as trade assets going out, First round pick for a quickly type, I'd be totally fine with. He makes four million bucks this year, then you're going to pay his next deal. I think you're perfectly happy to pay his next deal as it will cover basically his entire prime. Um, no issues there if that's the, the cost to acquire. With a guy like Dasunmu or Anthony, I think that's where Precious maybe comes in, maybe like a future second or something like that to grease the wheels. I think that's probably as far as I'd go. I'm not giving up a first round pick for Cole Anthony, I don't think. But that's kind of where I'm at with guard targets. It's not the best. The Raptors need to do some work here, though, if they want to have a roster that makes any sense around whoever they end up having, whether it's just Scotty Barnes and OG, whether it's Scotty and Pascal, whether it's all three of them, this team is not going to work next year, and it's not going to be a very conducive developmental environment if you don't have a little bit more in terms of guard play on this roster to tie things together. That's my piece there. We're going to come back on the other side. I was speaking about the glut of big forward types on this Raptors team, and that glut has been created in large part by the addition of Jalen McDaniels. We're going to get on the other side into a chat with our pal Doug Branson from Lockdown Hornets all about Jalen McDaniels and what he brings as a player. Looking forward to this one. Doug coming up on the other side. Before we do that, however, today's show is brought to you by Better help. Therapy is a thing that a lot of people I know have had a lot of success with. It's really helped them with decision making and kind of just having someone to talk to to get their thoughts and emotions out there into the world for someone who's just there to listen and there to take in what you say and offer feedback and advice totally unbiased without agenda without their own baggage. It's a really wonderful thing and it doesn't have to be because you suffered serious trauma. It could just be for the 
daily trials and tribulations of life, trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map. With BetterHelp, visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, let's get to it. Our chat with Doug Branson of Locked on Hornets all about Jalen McDaniels. All right, joining me now is our dear pal from Locked On Hornets, Doug Branson, who was along to give us a little bit of a, a schooling on Jalen McDaniels, one of the newest Toronto Raptors, and I don't know, their 14th six foot nine forward of the last three years they've had <laughs> in this position. Uh, obviously, new guy, similar dimensions, but uh, we're going to get the sort of lowdown on what to expect from Jalen McDaniels, who I don't know about anybody else. But I have talked myself fully into just being his brother uh, as far as upside because it's really easy to do that when you uh, look at the dimensions and look at the sort of three-point shooting upside and all of that. Doug, let's begin with, you know, obviously the, the Hornets trade Jalen McDaniels at the deadline. The, the Raptors were rumored to be kind mm-hmm. of in on that around the time uh, that time as well. What was the... Hornets fan reaction to Jalen McDaniels being cast aside by a team that is not very good. Is he someone that was kind of viewed as like maybe like a lost developmental opportunity? Were people happy to see him gone? I think like to get a good read on a player, how did the fans of the team he previously played for feel about his departure is usually a pretty good place to start. Yeah, I think it was generally positive uh, and and generally viewed as a successful player development story for the Charlotte Hornets. But I think also most fans understood that the Hornets needed to do something to get a little worse because by the time the trade deadline rolled around, the Charlotte Hornets, the wheels had come off the Hornets Mm -hmm. season due to a number of injuries and then players would heal and then they would get re-injured. And they had just lost so much, especially LaMelo Ball. They had lost so much offense that there was really just no hope for the season. And so when you got to that point of the trade deadline, they get rid of Plumlee, they get rid of McDaniels to essentially give Steve Clifford less tools to accidentally win basketball games as they turn their focus uh, to getting a better draft pick. So, you know, I think the reaction to Jalen McDaniels was – nuanced which is mm-hmm. rare in sport in sports you know people are are generally like super high or super low but i mean my read on it was that people understood the move uh, while at the same time being disappointed because i think a lot of fans saw promise in Jalen mcdaniels 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's like the, the, the how to be a fan is to see promise in a dude and get duped by it more often than not. Um, with with Jalen, obviously, he had a pretty long road to becoming like a regular NBA player. I remember calling, I was doing a Raptors 905 G League game like before the pandemic and calling a Jalen McDaniels game in which he was like, I don't know, pretty unnoticeable. And it, to, to kind of move himself up into rotation player for, I mean, a, a Sixers team that, you know, had designs on winning a championship. Pretty impressive considering, you know, what, what he, where he was sort of added a starting point. What is sort of to you like the best thing Jalen McDaniels brings to the table? Like the Raptors bring him into the team. They're trying to find like, okay, let's accentuate the strengths here. This is a thing Darko Ryakovich, mm-hmm. the new coach, has talked about a lot. Is what does this guy do well? How can we sort of amplify that when he's on the floor? What would you say is that thing for Jalen McDaniels? Being long. I mean, his length is his strength. And mm-hmm. getting into transition, finishing in transition, I would say were the things that really stood out to me. Um, because I think all of the other skills that that you would view as upside, so three point mm-hmm. shooting, uh, defensive, you know, upside because of the length. I think all of those things are were a mixed bag during his time in Charlotte. And I do want to warn folks: um, if he did anything in Philadelphia that contradicts anything that I'm about to say, or if he got hurt <laughs> in Philadelphia, honestly, I don't know. Uh, once you leave the Charlotte Hornets roster, you're dead to me. I you don't exist anymore. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've got to talk about the third string center, so I can't keep, you know, once you leave the Hornets orbit, uh, I don't really know uh, much of what happens uh, to you until you come back and play the Hornets. Uh, but it, those skills were a little bit of a mixed bag. You know, you get to the fourth quarter, he'd have a wide open three point shot from the corner mm-hmm. and he would miss it. Um, there would be defensive possessions where you would go, oh man, he really, he really jumped that passing lane. Great awareness, using that length, getting out into transition, great. And then he'd fall asleep and get back cut. So I would say like those those skills that have upside, I think are still lacking a lot of consistency. The three point shooting is like the thing that I'm fixated on because you look at the free throw percentages. He's a career seventy eight percent three point or free throw shooter. The last couple of years, eighty four percent last year, seventy three percent the year before that. Um, but eighty four last year is like okay, we're talking about something here. There's at least some touch to speak of. Uh, in the twenty one twenty two season, he shot. 38% on two attempts a game over 55 games. It's not like a crazy huge sample. Was 32% last year on more more volume for the Hornets before getting dealt. Shot 40% on pretty small uh, volume for the Sixers as well. Is there anything in that 38% season? Like, is there something that you think, like, clicked in there? Was it just, like, LaMelo Ball's playing more or whatever, so he's getting better looks? Like, what's your sort of read on the the three-point shooting upside here for McDaniels and, and like is there any chance that there is a 36 37 sort of consistent shooting you know mark to be had for this guy over you know the course of a full season or two here yeah I mean it's certainly possible I, I don't think the looks were any better or worse mm. um, than than they were in the previous season um, right. you, you know he did get some time uh, with LaMelo Ball last season. Uh, but generally, when he took three-point shots, they were catch-and-shoot opportunities where he was wide open. Because mm-hmm. the Hornets last season, they, d- despite them being a terrible offensive team, they developed <laughs> good opportunities. They just couldn't knock anything down. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I think Jalen McDaniels was a part of that. Uh, and I think there's a real case to be made that that had he, you know, been able to do that a little bit better, Mm-hmm. That they would have won a few more games. They they may have um, you know trudged through some of those injury issues with a little bit of a better record, and and he may not have found himself traded. 
Um, so certainly, I don't think there's anything wrong with the shot. Um, you know, I, I think it was all about shot making and, and opportunities uh, to, to kind of change the narrative of a game. He was given those opportunities and wasn't able to convert. Uh, and so I think that was probably one of the more frustrating things with Jalen McDaniels uh, generally was just, just that late game shot making. Yeah, I mean, the Raptors had a lot of threes last year that they missed. Not often created through good process, so the Hornets had not beat there. Uh, <laughs> I'm, you're conjuring up images of, like, Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Amino on those Blazers teams, uh, sort of, if I'm trying to think of, like, a comp of, oh, yeah, all this yeah. stuff looks great. great, great defense, can hit some threes now and then, but when you really need it, are, are those really the dudes you want taking your wide-open threes? Maybe not. You know, I don't think Jalen McDaniels is going to be in the position where he has to take all those wide open threes late in games and clutch moments. Thankfully, I, you know, I think the Raptors should have yeah. as much as their roster feels bereft of talent compared to what it's been in recent years. I don't think they'll be leaning on McDaniels for that. But I, I am pretty intrigued overall by like the package he brings. You know, is there anything that Raptors fans should know on or off the court that we haven't covered here about Jalen McDaniels, something to keep an eye on, something that's fun about the dude? Like, does he have a secret talent that we don't know about yet? What you got on Jalen McDaniels? Uh, fun fact about Jalen McDaniels, the two seasons prior, he missed significant time due to an ankle injury. It was his first ankle injury in his basketball career, which I found hmm. mind-boggling. How I had anyone one on Saturday. These days, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I yeah, I go to the I go to the fridge at midnight and I yeah, I tear an ACL, right. I mean, so it's it's amazing, especially when you consider that so many of these modern guys, they play so many games now mm -hmm. before they ever sniff an NBA uh, minute that he had not sustained an ankle injury before. He misses significant time and he comes back and you really couldn't tell. I mean, he you know, I, I think he does have that resilience um he's pretty he's pretty even keel uh in interviews and on the floor too like he just plays super smooth super even keel uh doesn't get very emotional you know no, no big highs no big lows uh you know i think he's got to work on his passing uh mm. because that's part of the thing with jalen is that if he's not making shots it's t it's tough for him to contribute offensively because his passing is i would say bad um mm -hmm. and so you know, that's that's why those missed open three opportunities are frustrating. It's also a little strange because he's a good tough shot maker. Like when he gets in the lane, he can draw some contact, finish through that, you know, go up for a short mid-range shot. Like he's he's pretty good tough shot maker. It was just those easy opportunities. So if he puts it all together, you know, that's the thing. When when Jalen McDaniels got traded, there was a part of me that said, This is the right move because the Hornets need to get worse. And removing Jalen McDaniels from the equation will make them worse. Mm -hmm. But then part of me is like, I am really scared that he's going to figure everything out and, and become someone else's treasure. Mm -hmm. So I think he has that opportunity with Toronto. You know, there's a history. Oh, and by the way, and by mm. the way when yeah. I heard the news that Toronto had, had, a, had acquired him, uh, my reaction was, of course they did. <laughs> like, I, I can't, it's like when you're watching a movie and there's a plot twist, and it's so you didn't anticipate it somehow. But it's so obvious that that's where the movie was going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Jalen McDaniels, Toronto, it's perfect. Build the whole plane out of these uh, six nine dudes, man. I, I guess that's just what they're planning to do. Even though I don't think it really works. But what does work is uh, San Diego State Aztecs forwards who wear number two playing for the Toronto Raptors. That's been pretty good in the past. So yeah. we'll okay. see. Doug, thank you so much for hanging out, man. It was lovely to have you. Thanks for sharing your Jalen McDaniels intel. Where can people check out all your wonderful work? 
Oh, you know, I write stuff for every hornetsboxscore.com. That's on the old Substack, And, of course, I join uh, Walker Mail from WFNZ to uh, yammer about the Hornets every day here on Locked on Hornets. Excellent. Go check it all out. Doug's the best, and uh, you're the best, folks, for tuning in. Thank you so much for being here today. We'll be back again tomorrow as uh, I might take some of your listener questions and dig into some of the uh, the spiraling that's going on out there. Get as spirally as you can with your questions, and we'll uh, we'll have a little vent sesh tomorrow. Uh, later this week as well, we're going to take a look at the 2021-22 Raptors and what went right for the Siakam and Barnes duo that could potentially lend to future success. We'll uh, take a look back at that with Jamar Hines. In the meantime, thank you so much for tuning in. Subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that good stuff. We are available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube for free. And uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram. We are in the Discord. The link is in the description. Come hang out in our Lockdown Raptors Discord. It's a lovely little community building around the show. And uh, with that, we'll send you off into the rest of your day. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.